Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works Editor-in-Chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangusti, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today, we'll take a look at plunging funds for Chinese healthcare startups. We'll also look at a rumored New York IPO for Smithfield, a decade after the U.S. pork giant was gobbled up by China's WH Group. We'll start with Chinese healthcare startups, which were once an investor favorite due to the huge potential of China's underdeveloped healthcare market. But it seems investors have soured on this group lately, uh, and they gave it just $5.7 billion in new funds in the first half of the year. That's a far cry from the $34 billion they lavished on the sector in 2021 when funding reached a peak. So, Renee, what's behind this flagging appetite for healthcare startups? Um, do you think it's an industry-specific thing, or is this part of just a wider funding trend? Um, well, you know, I think that it's a classic uh, story of people uh, getting overexcited about something initially. And when I say people, I mean investors. Um, and this this is not dramatically different from a lot of, of other stories of, you know, uh, global investors piling into certain specific sectors in China via the stock market. China is a huge market. Everybody knows that uh, there's a tremendous need to uh, reform, um, uh, improve the healthcare system in China. Um, so the next thing that you uh, you find going down that uh, logic road is, my God, there's got to be a lot of money to make there. Hmm. And off we go to the races and we throw money at it. This, you know, has happened with many other sectors uh, in China uh, over the last 20, 30 years, not just the stock market, but obviously also companies investing in there and trying to get build market share right. for their products. So uh, that's, that's one thing. Second thing is healthcare um, is obviously uh, very tied to uh, political evolution, as I would uh, call it, or the political cycle. And, and even in the US and in Europe, but particularly in the US, healthcare, biotech, um, biopharma, and so on, have um, always been subject to cycles. At times, money piles in, and then uh, at times, money goes out. Uh, and it's primarily driven by over-enthusiasm. Uh, these are risky businesses in general because you need lots of regulatory approvals and it depends on uh, the performance of what you're developing. Mm -hmm. Now, specifically uh, in, in this case here, if you look at it from a pure investment standpoint, well, there are a few issues that I think contributed to the pullback. One is overall the overall economy in china too is um, as a result of that largely uh, the overall underperformance of uh, the stock market three um, is healthcare in itself in china from you know a political standpoint 
you've got overall a um, lot of regulatory activity right now, um, investigations of hospitals, of head of hospitals, and all kinds of people for alleged bribery and so on. And so you've got, you know, to some extent what a lot of people would describe as a crackdown on the sector, which is to some extent reminiscent of the crackdown on the education sector before the tech sector and so on. So I think that these are primarily the factors that are contributing uh, to the pullback. Okay. But that's it's interesting because another thing, uh, you know, we write about it quite a bit, um, all these startups on, on uh, Bamboo Works, but, um, you know, the sector has really become a bit of a money pit lately. And, and a big part of that is because Beijing is bargaining really hard with many of these companies to get their drugs and devices included in the national health plan. Um, we even see some companies complaining that they can't make any profits at all for the prices Beijing wants to pay. Sort of a monopoly in a way, you know, the Beijing says, we'll pay this and take it or leave it. Um, how do you see things panning out for these companies over the next five years, given this kind of heavy government oversight? Well, they will have to do what they are told to do. That's pretty clear. This is nothing new, by the way. The so-called national list has been around for quite a while. Um, six, seven years ago, there was a lot of uh, reporting about the fact that some of the domestic manufacturers and foreign manufacturers had been told to cut their prices if they wanted to be on the so-called, have their drugs on the so-called national list. And uh, there were reported cases of companies that basically had been told they had to cut their price by up to 80%. Yeah. So um, that did happen before. It's nothing new. You, um, you bring this into the more recent context of common prosperity uh, in particular and access to uh, drugs, medication, medical treatment for all um in in a system that is you know primarily in the hands of the state and like in every other country i'm sure was becoming has been becoming more and more expensive hmm. to fund and to support so i don't think we're going to change we're going to see any major improvement possibly some people thought that wait a second because these are new drugs they're not that are supposedly being developed and brought to market. They are not all drugs where you have this uh, concept, at least that after a while they've paid for themselves. These are new, they're new treatments, they cure, um, you know, they better cure for certain uh, illnesses and so on. Therefore, uh, they should be able to charge higher prices. Um, I think that's where lots of people got a little bit you know, overexcited right. in terms of prospect. Okay. It definitely seems like a big confluence of all this stuff. It'll be interesting to see if, like you are saying, the cycle rebounds. Let's move on. Uh, next, we're going to dig our financial snout aha, into the latest reports that U.S. pork giant Smithfield is planning a New York IPO. Longtime China watchers will recall that Smithfield was acquired by a Chinese company called Chuanghui back in 2013. 
The Shuanghui later changed its name to WH Group and went public in Hong Kong a year later. Smithfield was delisted from New York after the purchase, but now WH Group is reportedly planning to relist the company on Wall Street as soon as early next year. What's going on here? Why, why take a company private only to relist it again a decade later? And do you think U.S. investors are going to have any appetite for this kind of listing? Well, this is not just relisting. I mean, this is relisting in the U.S., right? Um, you know, the home country of Smithfield. So this makes me a little bit of uh, bring home the bacon. Ah, you couldn't help that one. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm as guilty as you are. <laughs> I couldn't help, help it. But, um, I mean, look, um, first of all, um, you know, we 10 years later, as you highlighted, um, companies uh, that uh, want to grow, especially in that kind of business, obviously are somewhat capital intensive. They need to raise capital for growth if they're not able to uh, generate enough of the required capital. This is a U.S. brand, um, so yeah, it makes sense if you're going to bring it back to the market uh, so that you can raise capital. It makes sense to bring it back to the U.S. market. Hmm. Um, I think that's pretty logical. At least, you know, it's a known brand there. I think it's still a respected brand um, in the U.S. So I think that's at least the first part of the story. now. Whether or not the, uh, this would eventually uh, lead to a, a complete spin-off um, and separation is something else, and only time will tell. But you know, let's just remember why this um, acquisition happened in the first place, right? In China, uh, pork is uh, one of the most important staples of food and alimentation in China. Um, you know, this happened 10 years ago as part of, I think, um, this whole effort uh, by China um, to develop self-sufficiency uh, in terms of food. And, and as we know, that has been a very important political consideration in China and still is, mm-hmm. um, you know, food independence, basically, from the rest of the world. So it certainly made sense at the time to do that acquisition. Um, I don't think that the emphasis on food security has uh, diminished at all in China today. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, Chinese consumers, to some extent, have diversified a bit from pork as the uh, only meat or the most important meat. But I would think that um, all they're doing here is just trying to um, you know, raise additional capital in the best possible circumstances, which is do it in a market where the brand is named and, and respected. I don't think that uh, this is going to go beyond that. Okay. Well, yeah, that was going to be my sort of second question was, was Chinese companies have become sort of famous for buying struggling Western assets and they, they think they're buying them for bargain prices. And they, they say they're going to turn them around by boosting their presence in China. But, you know, with a few exceptions, we really haven't seen such turnarounds materialize. I guess you've already said, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see if, if WH Group is going to hold on to Smithfield. But the fact of the matter is, is Smithfield 
you know, has really been doing sort of poorly lately. They've been losing a lot of money for WH uh, because apparently there's a big pork glut in the U.S. right now and feed prices are rising. I mean, do you think this whole Chinese buying of these bargain assets overseas, is this something that's that's going to keep going on? Or do you think they're finally learning their lesson? You know, you get what you pay for. Well, um, the uh, I mean, first of all, um, to your comments about midfield losing money and pork blood and so on, I mean, that's, that's kind of par for the course in that sector. It goes through feast and, and famine, not just in the U.S., but also in, in China and so on. Uh, but, you know, no matter what, uh, pork meat remains uh, extremely important in China on a national basis. There is a national reserve of pork meat in China, so that tells you a lot. So, mm. um, you know, enough about that. Uh, in general, overall, um, we've seen Chinese companies, as you uh, as you mentioned, buying um, you know less or non-performing U.S. companies, but they've done the same thing in Europe as well, especially in in the fashion sector and leisure sector and so on. Some have worked, some have not worked. Um, these days, you have obviously an added dimension to uh, to that, which it has to do with geopolitical considerations in terms of, you know, approving cross-border uh, transactions, especially when uh, it, it comes to uh, Chinese companies buying assets in the U.S. or, or in Europe. Hmm. And I think some companies will learn a lesson uh, from that. If if you, you know, if if you want to do it do it with the best companies around and not just buying a company because it's cheap. Right. Um, but um, I, I don't think that overall it is going to disappear. I think that companies will just be much more selective and then politics will dictate whether some of these deals can happen or not. But from a pure market standpoint, financial standpoint, I think that the companies will be much more discriminating going forward yeah okay right that's what i feel like you know maybe the, they won't just uh look at the price tag right okay well let's uh let's wrap things up there uh thanks for listening everybody this week if you like what you hear please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app and don't forget to join us again next week for another edition of china inc when we'll look once more at the latest trending chinese business topic Hope to see you all then. Goodbye for now. Thank you all. Goodbye. Goodbye.